1045 is how you reach the program. 737-1045. Ryan Mudd is my gatekeeper. He's behind the glass, spinning the Dodge radio style for me this evening. If you want to get to me, you'll have to go through him. One guy that will definitely get to me next segment is Murphy Fair. We will talk high school football on a night where there's going to be a lot of rain in a lot of these games, and it might affect the outcome. So we'll talk to him. We'll also have Tom Duggan at the end of this segment. Had some people tweet me. And actually, you know what, before, and I've actually, I did not do this on Wednesday and it always finds its way back into my mind when I don't do this, but I try to start every show and occasionally fail to say that I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. I hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this finds you and yours doing exceedingly well. And as always, my DMs are wide open on Twitter at jmartzone for faith-based conversations. We're going to talk Titans, Broncos here in just a second, but because a couple of people tweeted me about this and asked me, they said, hey, I haven't heard you in a while. Has the zone gotten rid of you? Well, the answer is no, they have not. It's a season where Titans Radio has this time three days out of the five-day work week. So I'm on Wednesdays and Fridays. That's when you can hear the show, and that's why we developed the Quick Six, which is – my wife's creation, actually, and I record it at home on Sunday nights or early Monday mornings, and it gets put up as a podcast, and it's just me firing off on everything that happened in football, so you don't have to wait until the middle of the week to get your J-Mart fix, should that be an addiction that you suffer from. And so I talk college, and I talk pro, and of course, there's a Tennessee tailgate show where you can hear me every Saturday afternoon. Tomorrow, after the Mississippi State game, Joey Kent and I We'll be with you taking your phone calls, and maybe we'll be talking about a Vols win. Never know, I guess. There were some things to like last week, but it's going to take a real effort to beat Mississippi State, but you can beat Mississippi State if you're Tennessee. Plus, you can read my stuff at the Big Six blog where I write the Big Six takeaways after every Vols game and every Titans game on Sundays and the Jason Martin Show on Fox Sports Radio Sunday mornings from 2 to 5 a.m. You hear the first two hours live, then you hear the third hour a couple hours late right before Squared Circle Radio, which I host with David Reed. And, well, until this past week, Brandon Hagney. He's moving to Albuquerque, New Mexico uh, early next week as his lovely wife has taken a, a great position, has an awesome opportunity. And, unfortunately, that awesome opportunity means it's not going to be so awesome for us because I'm losing one of my best friends in terms of somebody I can see on a regular basis. And, certainly, I'm losing a great co-host that's been with me since the very beginning and I say losing, but we're still going to be in contact. And because of technology, we are going to try to find a way to make the Squared Circle Radio transition work anyway, even from afar, even if it doesn't look the way that it does now. So the answer to the tweet that came from multiple people is no, I haven't gone anywhere. In fact, we're just finding new ways to try to intersperse me, even though Titans Radio you know, has such fantastic programming on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday evenings that you definitely should be checking out. Speaking of the Titans, they are on their way to Denver to play the Denver Broncos, my Denver Broncos, as a matter of fact, the one-win football team. The Titans now under 500, 2-3 and three on the year after the loss to Buffalo. And if you heard me on Wednesday night, we had Joe Rex Rodan of The Athletic, and I made this point to him, and I've made it to you guys if you've listened to this show for any length of time. I believe that that Buffalo game made it absolutely essential, imperative, almost beyond a shadow of a doubt, that you've got to win the AFC South or you're staying home. You're not going to get a wild card now. 
because you know Buffalo is going to take one of them or they're at least going to be above you most likely because they now have a head-to-head win against you. We saw the Patriots win again last night over the hapless Giants. The Patriots' schedule is a laugher all year long. Buffalo's schedule is not hard either, but they've already lost to the Patriots once, and the Patriots are going to win the AFC East. So the Bills now have a head-to-head win against you, and they have just one loss, and they have an easy schedule, and you don't have a very easy schedule. Maybe the other team is going to come out of the West. Maybe it's going to come out of the North. We don't know, but it doesn't look like the South is going to be a two-bid league. Whoever wins that division, and I had the Titans predicted to be that team at 8-8, eight and eight, but I also had the Texans at 8-8. Eight and eight. And so the margin for error is non-existent. So you have to beat these teams that you think that you might be competing with for the wild cards. You beat the Browns, which I liked because I thought that might be a team you would have to deal with. But now you've lost two division games already, which puts you behind the eight ball significantly. And then you lose to Buffalo, a team that now has a head-to-head win over you if that's what it comes down to and the records are the same at the end of the year. This will be, and I think last year you can point to the Buffalo game and say, that's the one that we had to have. We could not go there and lay an egg. Well, you went there and you laid an egg and you ended up staying home, even though you had a shot to play your way in in the final week of the season when Mariota was hurt and Gabbert looked very Blaine Gabbert-like on the field, meaning he wasn't going to get you anywhere except back to the recliner or the sectional to watch the rest of the postseason. But the Titans have an opportunity here. They can still win the division. The division is going to be very much up for grabs all year long, most likely. The Colts were impressive. They didn't have Leonard playing, and they still beat Kansas City. And now it's Kansas City and Houston on Sunday. And we'll talk more about that in the final segment of this show. But if you're the Titans, you cannot now think, oh, we can still get a wild card. You can, but that Buffalo win is going to really hurt you. You also have to go to Denver, which is not an easy place to play, even though the Broncos are 0-2 at home and are not a very good football team. And you have to go punch them in the mouth in the altitude. You have to deal with altitude that you're not used to. Shortness of breath, potentially. Fatigue, potentially. Lots of things that could go awry there. It is not a fun place to go for a visitor. Joe Flacco's a statue, but Joe Flacco beat you last year in Nashville with the Baltimore Ravens. Philip Lindsay has not had a great year thus far. Hadn't been awful, but not great. But he can certainly beat you if you don't make your tackles. Derrick Henry's kind of got to be the guy. There was an ex-player with the Vikings that has come out over the past few days, or it may have actually been earlier this morning, and said that Kirk Cousins is the weak spot on the Vikings offense, which is a pretty damning thing to say about somebody you just paid over $80 million to and a lot of it guaranteed to come be your savior because Case Keenum wasn't good enough. And I told you when that happened, I thought he was overpaid. And it's hard to say that because anybody that can get their money should be able to get their money. But I would not have been the one to hand him the money and thought he was going to be a franchise quarterback when you look at the stats that he has put together in games that actually matter. But what's the thing that doesn't frighten you about the Tennessee Titans? In Mike Sando's article last year, 50 executives within the NFL, including coaches and guys in the front office, said that the one thing that doesn't bother you when you play against the Tennessee Titans, one of the standout quotes from that piece was, Marcus Mariota doesn't scare you. You'd rather take your chances with him. 
Derrick Henry, when he has carried the ball, I think has looked the part of the guy that we saw towards the end of last year, not the one that we saw that led to a lot of Titans fans thinking he should be traded in the first half of last year. When he came back from London, he seemed like a different player. And, of course, he had a couple of standout performances late, but he's been who you need him to be. On Sunday, in the altitude, I'm not testing Denver's secondary. I'm running the football. I'm making them stop me that way. And if they do, then I'll put it in Marcus's hands. But at this point, I don't trust my quarterback's chemistry with his receivers because I'm still not seeing anything from Corey Davis. Adam Humphreys is starting to show a few signs, but I, I don't know that he is there yet. Walker has not been on the field for enough snaps. If you notice, there's a whole lot of times where 82 wearing a Titans uniform is standing on the sidelines watching, and that's really strange. Deion Lewis is out there too often, and A.J. Brown is a weapon that maybe has more chemistry with Mariota than some of the guys that have been there longer. Davis is still just baffling. But when you look at Mariota and you look at Derrick Henry, I'm putting it in Derrick Henry's hands, and I'm saying, go, young man. The Titans are going west, young man, and then Derrick Henry needs to go north and south, whatever it is. Doesn't need to go east and west. He needs to hit the hole and hit it hard and find his way into the end zone, control this clock, not turn it over, which he's not really someone that has done that very much through his career, and win probably a hard-fought football game. It's a two-point spread right now in favor of Denver, which basically means Tennessee's really a one-point favorite because you get three at home, and it's minus three, and you're – at home, that means it's a pick em game. ESPN says about 51% chance Tennessee wins the game. It's awfully close, which means, again, the margin for error is not much, so it comes down to turnovers. It comes down to special teams, guys making kicks, which, of course, we have seen that be a problem as of late, and just finding a way to control the clock. Mariota can be a game manager, and they can beat the Denver Broncos. Put it in Derrick Henry's hands and say, go win us this football game because you're squandering a great defensive effort all season long from these Titans who have looked very, very good in that arena. And there's only two wins to show for it because the offense has been flat-out bad, mediocre to bad, with the exception of one performance that you really liked. This has been a defensive football team, which is absolutely fine unless you're not scoring enough points to actually beat people when you're holding them to levels where you should be winning games. So that's the story from the Titans' perspective. We might talk a little bit more about it. If you have thoughts on the Titans game on Sunday, 615-737-1045, we'll have Murphy Fair coming up in the next segment. But we want to bring in Tom Duggan of DTC3.TV, DTC Sports, of course. They stream all of uh, their games that they do one per week, and there's a lot of rain predicted Throughout the evening across Tennessee, I don't know whether or not it's going to be dry tonight, Tom, but I can tell you this, in your game and probably a lot of other games, there's going to be a whole lot of running the football tonight. Hey, I tell you. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. We're, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at Renner's Warehouse. They've been with us now for several months, and we're – Always excited to partner up with, with people that we believe in, certainly. A Renner's Warehouse is dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renner's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. We talked to Tom Duggan. Hopefully, he's going to stay dry. I know one guy that is going to stay dry, and that's Murphy Fair. We welcome him in for his regular segment 
Brought to you by Ascend Federal Credit Union. Murphy, I know you were at a game last night. We're going to talk about that one, Page and Centennial. But there's a whole lot of rain falling all across the state of Tennessee. It's going to affect – it's not going to affect whether or not most of these games are played. It might determine how long they're played and how many fumbles we see. But as I told Tom in the last segment, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a whole lot of running the football and not a lot of passing tonight. Well, that's true. And as I mentioned to you before we came on the air, there's there's two things that can go – three things that can go bad when you throw the ball, and two of them are bad. I think two and a half of them are bad tonight. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be a mess the way it talks. And uh, I'm going to just stay at home and uh, you do some do some homework and do some catching up, uh, listening to radio broadcasts and Internet broadcasts. And, Hopefully catch a little bit of a lot of different ball games, but I got a feeling it's going to be pretty much the same as far as Middle Tennessee games are concerned. So I know you saw Paige play last night. I want to ask you about them, but I want to go transitive property here and go last week first because a team that you watched, the only team actually that's beaten Paige this year, lost to CPA, and you were there for that Lipscomb Academy uh, CPA game last week what did you see i mean we know ingle martin and we know how good a coach he is we also know he lost 30 plus players off that state title team from a season ago and it wasn't just going to be an immediate fix but i'm still pretty impressed i don't even look at the record i just look at i'm still pretty impressed with what they've been able to do especially considering lipscomb really seemed to be on a roll and that one that one caught a lot of people by surprise last week well it did and and uh, you know if you had looked at cpa's record uh, that would have caught you by surprise even more. But their schedule has been one of the toughest in the state, uh, regardless of classification. Nobody wants to play CPA unless they have to because they know they have to go up against Engel Martin, a great coaching staff, uh, great fan support at uh, home games, and even on the road for that matter. But uh, uh, interesting ball game. Uh, CPA pretty much kept it on the ground most of the night. Uh, and and just controlled things from the line of scrimmage. And uh, a lot of folks didn't see that happening. But the interesting thing about it, uh, I guess, bottom line, is the fact that Lipscomb and CPA are two of five teams in the mid-state Division II AA region. All five of those teams are going to the playoffs. Mm. If they if they all lose out, and they're not going to because they're going to have to play against each other a couple of times, but with only five teams in that group where the other groups have six or seven, uh, all five of the ones from the mid-state are going. Yeah, that that's incredible. And it just shows the, the level of depth and the level of talent across that entire grouping of teams. Now we'll talk about the game you saw last night. 28-14, Page beats Centennial. And I know one of the things that you were remarking to me when we were talking earlier this afternoon was that Page's quarterback is a joy to watch. He really is. Cade Walker, a, a 6'3 guy, 225 or so, and, uh, uh, or excuse me, 6'175, and uh, has a rifle arm, uh, can, has a nice touch on the ball. And between his throwing and the receivers they have and the running of Bubba Johnson, uh, they had a pretty potent attack. I think it was 21 to nothing late in the second when I left that contest. It was pretty much. Uh, in control, it looked like, and I think it wound up 28-14. But uh, I think Page is a team that nobody's going to want to play uh, when the playoffs roll around because their their record is, is impressive enough. Uh, but they're just a, a smash-mouth football team and really controlled things at the line of scrimmage last night. NBA tonight, 4-3. and three, They're hosting BA. They're hosting Brentwood Academy, who was on ESPN a week ago. 
as a matter of fact. There's a freshman quarterback in the NBA that's undefeated, uh, Marcel Reed. He's a son of Rod Reed, who, of course, is the football coach at Tennessee State. He's got four touchdowns and no picks. This is a major test for him, but th- this is probably the game of the week, right? NBA hosting BA tonight. I would think there's a lot of uh, there's some good a lot ones. of rivalry between those two schools that goes back decades, and uh, two excellent coaches, two excellent staff. Uh, I think obviously Brentwood Academy will be the favorite in that one going in, uh, but you don't go to NBA. Uh, and and consider it an easy ball game, uh, a beautiful atmosphere. I think it'll be an interesting game, and and that's one. Even though it's played on turf, the the weather could could make a little bit of difference, a little bit harder to keep your footing on a on a slick plastic field. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think if you look at teams that are pass heavy, which I mean a lot of high school teams are not, but ones that rely on passing the football, those might be ones you would want to fade. If this was a gambling terminology, which thankfully it's not, because that's not something I generally talk about on the show in any level, it's going to be a heavy running attack. So tonight, FRA is at BGA. FRA's only got one loss on the season. They've got a running back, a sophomore, with over 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns uh, on the ground. Now, they also have a passing attack, a guy that's only thrown two picks this season to go against nine touchdowns. BGA is someone that does seem to throw the football a lot. So that would stand to be potentially treacherous, but that's still a really intriguing matchup and a lot of, you know, just familiar faces, at least between the the two classes and the people that are going to be on the field. Yeah, and that's one of those games I mentioned. All five teams in that league are going to the playoffs, but the mid-state guys I think probably would prefer to go east. Notre Dame's got a boatload of kids that are on the injured uh, reserve list, if you would. I think Coach Charles Vant told me earlier in the week that he had nine kids out that would normally be starting, nine kids out with injuries. Webb has uh, has been uh, quite a disappointment, I'm sure, for Coach David Miskey. Uh, when they lost the Howard kid to Baylor, uh, their ground attack just kind of went null and void, so to speak. Uh, there's just not a real powerful team, unless you want to want to list Knoxville Grace and uh, uh, Rusty Bradley's doing his magic again with five wide and throw it five out of four times. <laughs> you know, they're they're going to put it in the air all the time. But there's some good teams in the West, especially ECS and uh, a couple of others, Lausanne and, and St. George's. So uh, you want to win if you're one of those teams here in the mid-state. So you go east instead of west and uh, have it a little bit easier the first couple of rounds. Giles County not having a great year. They're playing at Marshall County, and that's all you need to say because that is the epitome of a rivalry game with familiarity on the coaching staffs, which I know you absolutely love. That's that's what you can do better than just about anybody is talk about coaching who's in charge of these programs. And in this case, you've got Osteen who you know used to be on O'Connor's staff, and there's just a lot to like even though Giles County's a two-win team against a six-win Marshall County team. Well, I've asked people the last couple of weeks on another story that I was working on, uh, I've asked Marshall County people, who's your biggest rival? Going back over the years, who's your biggest rival? And virtually every one of them said Giles County. Uh, and, and both places are great places to go for high school football. Uh, but the fact that you mentioned that Osteen uh, is from Giles County, played there, uh, there's you know that's one of those things where – 
if he went one and nine, as long as he beat Giles County, he'd be a little bit happier, I guess. And I'm sure the, the staff at Pulaski is in the same boat. And, uh, uh, yeah, Marshall County's having a good year. Giles County, not so much. Uh, but that's one of those games where, for a while anyway, you can throw the records out. Now, things may settle down after a, a quarter and a half, but uh, you can't help but wonder with the weather being the way it is, a couple of turnovers the wrong way, and all of a sudden it becomes a knockdown drag out, possibly overtime game. I don't expect that, uh, but you never know what to expect when those two guys get together. Well, because of what you just mentioned, do you think that we are potentially in line for some very strange results because of the weather tonight? Because it can be an equalizer in a lot of respects. It's going to slow down a lot of these games, which that's not going to benefit certain teams, but it might might benefit teams that otherwise wouldn't have had a prayer. Now, you just mentioned you don't think it's going to affect that particular matchup, but would you be surprised if we come out of the night with quote-unquote upsets that you can attribute a large part to the weather? Yeah, if I was going back and picking my games now instead of a week ago, I'd probably change eight or ten of them yeah. anyway. Uh, and I'll tell you what else it affects. It affects the scoreboard show tonight. But we'll be on till 11 o'clock to make sure we get all the mid-state scores regardless of how long the games run. Unless they post, postpone one until tomorrow, you know, and that, that could happen if, if lightning gets in, the, gets in the picture. But uh, for the most part, it probably would, will be a little bit more difficult for scores to come in because the games are going to take a little bit longer with the slippery field. Yeah, and there may not be quite as many people in attendance, so I think there's going to be a whole lot of people listening over the next handful of hours here on 104.5 The Zone to everything that, that you guys are laying out there. So it's going, to be, it's going to be really interesting. When we come back here and we have this conversation again next week, Murphy, I do think we're going to be discussing some wins that we might not have been discussing outside of that, and that's just maybe going to tighten things up even more for these last few weeks of the regular season. That's just going to make things more interesting, which in what we do for a living – that's not the worst result. That's not the worst reality to have to know that these last couple of weeks should be fascinating and tonight might make them even more confusing before we get there. Well, that's true. And, uh, you know, with the weather being the way it is, too, we haven't uh, mentioned another huge factor that that will affect, and that's the guys that wear the striped shirts. And uh, I probably haven't done that enough uh, throughout the season. Uh, but kudos to all those guys that get out there and do what they do. I had a nice long conversation with most members of the staff last night before the paid centennial game. And those guys are truly dedicated uh, to, to making the game as great an experience as they can for everyone involved. And uh, I take my hat off to them. Some of those guys have been doing that 25, 30 years and more. And uh, that's another reason to remind everyone that we're, we're getting dangerously close to not having enough officials for high school football. And if you're listening and have the slightest uh, desire maybe to pursue that, please check it out. Uh, call TSSAA and, uh, and find out what it's all about. It's a, it's a great opportunity for those who love the sport to be a part of it and uh, have a really good time on Friday nights in the fall for the next 20 or 30 years if they wish, if they wish. Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting point. I was going to let you go right there, but just to to piggyback on that for just a second, because there have been articles written over the past few years, not just in the state of Tennessee, but certainly within our borders as well, about how the job has become less fun 
for a lot of people that have done it because of parents. And so the TSSAA has even put out there, hey, parents, calm down. You know, these are these are officials that are doing the absolute best that they can. And that's been a story across sports. It's been a youth thing, not just in high school, but much younger as well. And so I think that those are those are lessons that need to be heeded because what you just said is absolutely true. Without officials, it's real tough to play these games. It certainly it makes it almost impossible, as a matter of fact, if not actually impossible to play these games in the manner in which they were intended. So I think that there needs to be more of a team aspect between the parents as well as the officials. They all need to kind of stop acting adversarially and instead recognize that all of them can play a positive role in the development of these young kids and what they want to do, whether or not it's to go to college to play or just learn skills that are going to benefit them later on in life from a leadership and teamwork and all that standpoint. There's too much negativity associated with it. So I think that that's a really important point that you made. I agree, Jason. And and I don't mean to point fingers, but for all those people in the stands, Right. To think they know the rules more than the guys who wear the striped shirts. Make that phone call and find out how little you really know. Because all too often, we watch college football on Saturday and pro football on Sundays. And the rules are not the same for all three divisions of football. And a lot of things that they think are misinterpreted by the guys and the officials, guys the guys wearing the striped shirts know what the high school rules are. They have to pass tests in order to be able to do that. So uh, give them a break and uh, let them do their job. And if you think you can do better, give it a shot. Maybe you can. <laughs> all right, Murphy. I know you're going to stay dry tonight, but it should be fun to at least follow all of this stuff underneath your own roof for a change. But uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. As always, we, we love having you on and, uh, it should be really intriguing to see where things stand in a couple of hours from right now. I agree. Jason, have a good weekend, my friend. All right, you too, Murphy. Murphy on 104.5 The Zone, always presented by Ascend Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. Really intriguing article from Bill Barnwell about NFL contenders that have gone in the wrong direction according to the Football Power Index. We'll discuss that next as the Big Six rolls along here on this Friday, wet Friday, in the Music City on 104.5 The Zone. Murphy Fair on 104.5 The Zone, presented by Ascend Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association. To learn more about Ascend, visit ascend.org. So... Our thanks to Murphy Fair. Sometimes conversations run a little longer than you expect. We weren't planning to go down that officiating route, but once it was open, it just felt like something to do. My name is Jason Martin. This is The Big Six. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience, 615-737-1045. This will be a little bit of a short segment, but Bill Barnwell, who I really enjoy his stuff at ESPN.com and have for a long time, wrote an article Published yesterday, NFL contenders gone wrong. Barnwell ranks the six top playoff fallers. So there's six teams that had a very good chance to make the postseason, according to Football Power Index and other analytics. And so we're going to run through them quickly. But I did notice, I mentioned that it was a former teammate of Kirk Cousins that said he's the weak point on Minnesota's offense. And I found out that was former Tennessee Titan Zach Brown 
who played with him in Washington and basically said that any opposing team wants Kirk Cousins to throw the football. Woof. Yikes. That is not pleasant if you're a member of the Cousins household. So the six teams, the Chargers, started out the year with a 57% chance of making the playoffs. They're now at 10%. They've dropped 46.7%. They've had kicking problems. They've, of course, got the running back thing that's been just sort of an albatross over their heads. Derwin James getting hurt was huge. Russell Okung hasn't played a single game either. Hunter Henry went down with a knee injury. They're just battered and bruised. But they're not a particularly good football team right now. This was a team that did not turn the ball over very much at all last year. In fact, listen to this. The Chargers either didn't turn the ball over or turned the ball over in 2018 only one time in 11 of 18 games across the regular season in the playoffs. They were 11-0 and in those games and just 2-5 and otherwise. They have two or f- more in three of their first five games this year, and so they're 1-2 and two in those games. That's not very good. So they've dropped off a cliff. I thought they were going to be a lock for a wild card. Maybe that's good news if you're a Titans fan because they don't look very good right now. They have secondary issues. Derwin James's injury could be a nagging injury, and he's just incredibly important to what they want to do. They're, they don't look the same at all. Another team that doesn't look the same, and it's gotten worse for them, not just because of one quarterback, but now two. Mason Rudolph looked pretty good, and he got – that was just scary what happened to him last week. And he's out right now. They had a 56% chance, did the Steelers. It's now 16.8, so it's dropped 39.1. Last year, just one stat. Sixth in offense, 13th in defense, 27th in special teams. This year, 25th in offense and 19th in special teams. Actually, defense and special teams have both been better, but the offense has dropped 19 spots across the board in those categories. Antonio Brown being gone. Now, Le'Veon didn't play last year, but the running game has not been quite as good. But defense has actually stepped up, so they should be winning more, but you've got Roethlisberger and that whole situation, and now you've got Mason Rudolph and the concussion, and that was just disgusting. Juju Smith-Schuster is a very on-and-off kind of player. So that's another team maybe you don't have to look at. You would have thought you would have gotten multiple bids out of the North, and maybe you still will, but it doesn't look like the Steelers, even though they have a shot, it doesn't look particularly good. How about the Falcons, who the Tennessee Titans have already beaten? That's number three on Barnwell's list. They had a 40.5% chance. Now they have a 3.5% chance, dropped 37%. Their head coach is not very good. He's probably not going to survive. Matt Ryan's a top-10 quarterback but he's a guy that can throw for 450 yards and no touchdowns. He almost did that against the Tennessee Titans, as a matter of fact. And when you look at the DVOA numbers for the Falcons, which is the stat that you really want to look at and trust, in 15, they were 22nd. In 16, they were 26th. They were better in 2017 at 22nd. Last year, 31st. Not good at all. They did badly in free agency. They have not drafted particularly well. They've got holes all over the place. They don't seem to know how to utilize the talent that they have on offense. That's a program and a team that should be much better than they actually are right now. There are severe problems. The Jets are on the list at 27.2% to 0.9, so they've dropped 26.3. When you lose your quarterback to Mono, that hurts, but also 
that's a an AFC East that seemed like they could finish second. I had them as a playoff team, just like I guess Barnwell did. But now it looks like the Bills, Adam Gase, whatever that he was going to do with Darnold, now they're going to have to start that all over again because they really haven't gotten out of the blocks. Le'Veon Bell has been hurt at times, but they just don't have a ton of weaponry there. And that's a that's a winless football team, and they've got Dallas and New England still to come, among others. So it doesn't look particularly good for them. How about the Rams? They had a 73% chance to make the postseason as it started, as the season began. It's now 51.6. So it's dropped 21.2. They're still okay, but they started undefeated. They beat New Orleans, and they start 3-0. and And they've lost their last two, including losing to the Seahawks, who are above them in the standings in that division, along with the 49ers, who, of course, are undefeated. This weekend, huge football game coming up for the Rams. We'll discuss that in a final segment. But this was a team where we discussed earlier how good they were in close games last year. And by earlier, I mean last month. They were a 13-3 team last season. They were 6-1 in games that were decided by a touchdown or less. And this year, they have lost these close games in the same way including to Tampa Bay, and certainly we saw what happened against Seattle a week ago Thursday. Not good. They recovered a ton of fumbles last year. 71% of the fumbles last year they recovered, either by themselves, ones that were Rams fumbles that they recovered to hold on to possession, or ones that they forced. And that has dropped off a cliff as well. They've only gotten one of seven fumbles this season, except in the win over Carolina in the opener which everybody beat Carolina when Cam Newton was out there because he never should have been out there because he's been hurt since before the season started, dating back to the ankle that got tagged in preseason and dating back to just the attrition on his body for much longer than that. So that's a few of them. There is still one more, and it's the Bears, and I don't think that one's too shocking when you've got Trubisky as a quarterback and then it's Chase Daniel. Their playoff chances have dropped from 48 to 30. Khalil Mack and that defense are unbelievable. Roquan Smith and that crew, that is an elite defense of elite defenses, and it didn't even matter when Vic Fangio left. They may have actually gotten better defensively. They've dropped just a bit in DVOA defensively, but they are they were number one last year. They're fifth so far this season. They've got nothing from that offense. They don't seem to know how to run the ball, and whoever's playing quarterback you just can't trust. So that is a tremendous problem for them. But those are six teams where spots looked like they were going to make the playoffs. They were ones that most people predicted. Maybe none of those teams make the playoffs. So those are still a lot of football left to be played. When we come back, the big six matchups to pay attention to this weekend. This is a big six on 104.5 The Zone. Download. Final segment. It'll be a quick one. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse here on the Big Six, dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. A reminder, Joey Kent and I tomorrow, Tennessee Tailgate Show following Tennessee, Mississippi State and Vol Network coverage. Sign off somewhere probably around 4 o'clock. You can check in with us, and you can call us and talk about whatever happens in that game and whatever you've thought 
about the Vols season to this point. Always a blast to do that show with my good friend, and we will be right here in the studio doing it tomorrow. Let's do the big six matchups of the weekend. Three in the NFL, three in college, and then I've got a ridiculous stat about the Patriots' defense because why not? The three NFL matchups to watch, and there's some decent ones outside of these, but 49ers-Rams, undefeated 49ers against three and two Rams. Boy, does Sean McVay's club need a victory here. They're hosting this game. San Francisco is getting a lot of press about being one of the best teams ever. If you look at analytics, I think that's bogus. I don't look at this team and think that's one of the best teams I've ever seen. I think that they're playing very well right now. I also want to know where we are 12 more weeks from right now as well. The Rams need it. They've already lost in division, certainly, to the Seahawks. This is one where they need to get right. I don't know that they can, but I'm going to pick them to win at home over the 49ers. I don't buy into the 49ers hype just yet. I'm impressed with what I'm seeing, but I don't buy it just yet. Houston at Kansas City is fascinating. I heard Colin Cowherd break it down that Deshaun Watson was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes was able to become that, even though they were in the same draft. I don't know that I would go that far, but Watson has had some spectacular stuff. He has no offensive line. And dating back to Clemson, I say he should have been the number one pick in the draft. Absolutely loved him. Love watching him play. The Chiefs losing to the Colts. I can't imagine they're going to lose twice in a row, especially playing at Arrowhead. So I think they're going to get this one, but Titans fans will be watching this one intently as well. In division with the Texans being three and two. This is one where you all want to be a Patrick Mahomes fan. And then Monday night, intriguing, not one you would have thought maybe looking at the schedule to begin would have been this good, but a but a two one and one Detroit team that has looked pretty good playing against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. That's a pretty enticing little matchup from the NFC North on Monday night football. Sunday night game's not very good. It looked like it was going to be good going into the season, but Pittsburgh Chargers right now isn't exactly what it would have been. And then college is loaded tomorrow, folks. Just sit around. If it's going to be raining or whatever it's going to be, if you're going to be in Oktoberfest, I was there last night. My wife and I, we had a good time. Uh, Maybe you go do that tomorrow instead of tonight. Or maybe you go to a sports bar. There's going to be so much to watch. Oklahoma at Texas at 11 a.m., I want to see what Jalen Hurts does against a real team because we haven't seen him play one yet. That's going to be fascinating. I still think they're better than Texas, but that might be the game where he comes down to earth a bit. Florida at LSU, toughest place to play at night in the world might be Baton Rouge. Florida already had a top 10 win over Auburn last week. I don't know that they're going to be able to get two in a row. I think that Joe Burrow goes crazy, even against that really solid Florida defense, wins that one. And then Alabama to Texas A&M. This is why you hired Jimbo Fisher to win games like this, but you're not going to win it this year. Not with A&M. A&M just doesn't look quite right. Kellamon would have to have the game of his life against Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and that crew, and I just don't think so. And I didn't even get a chance to mention USC and Notre Dame, Penn State and Iowa, Utah and Oregon State, which is a really interesting matchup, and Florida State and Clemson in the afternoon. It's going to be fascinating to watch college football tomorrow. There is a, just a plethora of great games, and we'll have all the latest and stuff during the Tennessee Tailgate Show. Of course, the Vols play Mississippi State. Coverage begins tomorrow. Uh, the kick is at 11, so coverage is going to be real nice and early here on 104.5 The Zone with Bob Kessling and that crew. All right, before we send it to high school football coverage, let's make you smarter. Two crazy Patriots stats. Now, it's a function of a really weak schedule so far, but they're also really good. 
They've now held seven straight teams dating back to last year to less than 15 points. Since 1985, that's only happened six times. Actually, they did it right now. And then you've had the Ravens. The Chiefs did it back in 97, 49ers in 89, and the Bears did it in back-to-back years in 85 and 86. That's ridiculous. It's going to go to eight because the Jets are next on the schedule for the pass. They've also only allowed 76 first downs through six games. That's second best this century in the NFL. That's incredible. Also incredible, Chad Withrow and the high school crew. They're up next. Stick with us. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. I'll see you tomorrow on the Tennessee Tailgate Show. And good night from Nashville. 